Welcome to Rewitched, a charmed 1998 rewatch podcast. Join us on our journey as we recap, examine, and critique the series episode by episode from the beginning. We'll be keeping our podcast spoiler free, so we welcome fans, new and old, to join us in watching and reflecting on one of our favorite shows. Currently, we're on season one. I'm your host, Jess Savanko. And I'm your host, Mia Savanko. Now let's get into this week's episode. This week, we're discussing Season 1, Episode 9, The Witch is Back. It originally aired on December 16, 1998, and it was also the mid-season finale. It had 5.45 million viewers. So we open up on this, I described it as old-timey village. There are some guards, and they're opening up a cell where we see a blonde woman standing there. A man with long, dark brown hair enters, and we find out his name is Matthew. He says, hello, Melinda. So we find out her name is Melinda. And they kind of get right into this back and forth where she says, why did you betray me? He says, you got what you deserve. She says, so you never loved me? And then he kind of tells her that he had to get her trust so that she would share her powers with him, and now she's going to burn. And she kind of asks him why he would do this. And he says, I had to keep my secret. And she says, well, you can keep your trinkets too. And she rips off this locket that she's wearing and throws it at him. And he says, I'll just find another witch to give it to. And then we see that she actually cursed the necklace and is taking her powers back. And then he gets sucked into the necklace and it closes. Yeah, so right off the bat, pretty intense scene. <laughs> this girl is absolutely beautiful. Like, I couldn't even stop looking at her, this actress. She's gorgeous. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll just say they're both really hot, and obviously yeah. there's a lot of drama that I can't wait to find out what it's all about as the episode goes on. <laughs> yeah, so far we don't have too much information. I mean, this is history between people that we have never seen before, so... We'll figure it out once we get further in. So after that, we cut to present time and at Buckland's, and Rex brings the locket into Prue's office with other pieces of jewelry that I, I assume are for an auction that they might be having. And he's trying to open it, but he can't seem to get the locket open. And... Prue walks into her office and he sees the necklace there. Him and Re her and Rex say hi. He leaves and she immediately picks up the locket and opens it with ease. And then Matthew, the guy from before, comes popping back out of the locket now in present time. And he's just like, freedom at last what time is this, like, trying to figure out what year it is and all of that, and Prue is just kind of standing there really confused, and then he says, if you freed me from the locket, you must be a descendant of Melinda Warren, and she throws him across the room when he says that, and he, like, thanks her for doing that, because now he has her power. He said that he tricked her into using it on him, so now he has it too if that makes sense you know and then all of a sudden he like 
teleports in a second and he's behind her and he starts saying how he wants all of the powers back and Prue is crying at this point not knowing what's going on he tells her to defend herself and stop time but she tells him that she can't do that so he realizes that she's not the only one with the powers that there must be others sisters and Rex outside the door then asks if she's okay in there and that's when Matthew breaks the window and jumps out of it <laughs> 12 stories up and lands right on his feet and then Prue just kind of runs out so we find out there that obviously that girl in the first scene was Melinda Warren who we've heard is you know their ancestor the very start of their line and that he has the power to copy the other powers that people use on him yeah i also one thing that i'm kind of questioning in this scene is he mentions that prue should have all three powers if she doesn't that means that there are siblings around um i want us to just keep that in the back of our mind for episodes that are coming up a little later because I want to see if this is one of those things that just comes up in an early episode but proves not to be true later in the series, or if it's something that stays true. Without going into spoiler territory, we will be seeing more of their family members in either flashbacks or present-day sequences, and I want to see if family members who we know are only children have all three powers or not when we meet them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess I never even thought about that. I guess I guess we'll wait and see. Because <laughs> I never never thought of it like that. But that's true. I, I didn't think of that, that maybe this would be one of those things that don't end up being true in the future because they have, I feel like they have a lot of things in season one that don't, you know, add up to other things that happen in the future. So who knows? We'll see. Yep. <laughs> so after this scene, we have the theme, and then we are back at Buckland's. We're outside in the front, and the cops are there. They're kind of putting up caution tape. There's a big crowd around trying to see what happened. And for some reason, Daryl and Andy are the ones investigating this crime, which is very clearly not a homicide, but whatever. So they're interviewing some guy, and he says how... The guy came out of the window and practically fell on top of him. And Daryl's kind of like, that's a 10-story drop, sir. And Andy's like, 12. And they step away together from the witness. And Daryl's like, all right, Trudeau, pull out your secret ghost hunter decoder ring and let's hear it. And then Andy kind of eventually gets to the point where he's like, whatever started happened in that office and that he knows that it's Prue's office and that's what we get from this scene. I love the first of all I love Daryl's like little comments there because Andy's always assuming that something has like maybe magic behind it or whatever and Daryl always makes fun of him for it and it cracks me up. Also you can tell by Andy's manner from the start of this scene that like, he knew, obviously, that this had something to do with Prue, and it was, like, really bugging him, the idea of it. Like, there's so much passion 
between them still. You can tell just from the way he's acting. Yeah, definitely. You know, it makes me wonder, is he taking this breakup well? Will they see each other in this episode and will it go well? (laughs) I wonder how that'll go if it does happen. I don't know. They They probably won't. They're they definitely never, on they very never... good terms. Yeah, that was the vibe I was getting from this scene, too. So can't wait to find out if they see each other later in the episode. So after that, we cut to the manor. And Piper is kind of just talking to Leo in the kitchen about food while he's fixing the kitchen sink. And he asks her to pass her this ratchet extension and she's like oh sure and like goes to look for it in his toolbox and has no idea what to grab and then phoebe comes up and grabs it for her and she's like i need that and like gives she gives it to him and phoebe is kind of like like making faces at her trying to get her to make a move and piper's like stop <laughs> and then, so they leave the room together to go talk about it and Piper is basically telling Phoebe how she's concerned that he'll say no if she asks him out. And Phoebe's like, well, yeah, like that would ever happen. And we find out that Piper's never asked a guy out before. And they just kind of banter a little more back and forth. And then Piper goes back into the kitchen and offers Leo some tea. And then Phoebe comes in after her and sits on the counter, almost knocking the tea over onto Leo. Piper freezes it midair and throws it in the trash. This is like just some stupid thing added in. It's not really important. But then that happens and it unfreezes. And the whole time Phoebe's just making like little stupid jokes, trying to get in Piper's business and get her to get with Leo. And then that's when Prue runs in and says, guys, we're in serious trouble. And she notices Leo's there. So she's like, sisters, let's go upstairs to talk feel like something might be going on in this episode with Piper and Leo by the way that it started like right away with them flirt or like with Piper like trying to get with him again like oh I love it (laughs) yeah because it just is a callback to the fact that you know they did kiss and everything in the last episode but Leo doesn't remember right because because of the truth spell he doesn't know what happened between them So even though she already made the first move, he doesn't know that. So she basically has to start all over again after working up the courage to do that, which honestly, as someone who also has like a hard time, like making a move or like admitting to something like that, I get why Piper is struggling so much in this episode because it's like, I finally pushed myself out of my comfort zone and did it. And now I just have to start fresh again. Yeah. Like, it took it took a long time to build up that courage, and now I have to do it all over again. But at the same time, the truth spell showed her that he is interested. So I don't know why, like, like that would make me a little less, I'd be like, okay, well, at least I know that he does want me back. You know what I mean? So I don't know, it would make me a little easier to ask. But I still, I still get why it's nerve wracking. Poor Piper. She's so awkward. I love it. (laughs) I also feel like it's one of those things. Okay, so I know that you can probably tell, and like our listeners too, by like all the things I say that like I'm very for like, you know, women taking charge and women doing all these things. But like, like Piper, like 
I don't ask guys out, right? I've done that like once and it, I mean, like he said yes, but ultimately it didn't go well. <laughs> so then mm -hmm. I have like this fear of doing it again, right? So it's one of those things where like, I get where she's coming from, but I also really like Phoebe's attitude about it where she's like, come on, like take a chance. You know, he likes you, like just make the move. So I kind of like that, those sort of like opposite ways they have about handling things and the way that it gets to create this like really great like energy between the two of them in all the scenes in this episode. Yeah. I think I'm the same way in the sense of like, I won't really, I, I don't know that I've ever, no, I definitely have before been the one to like ask a guy out or, you know, make the first move. But it's not like I'm like Piper where I'm like held back about it or like you are, I'll like, I'll flirt with you heavily until you make the move. You know what I mean? Like if I like you, I love Phoebe's attitude about this too. It shows the difference between them and I can't believe Piper's never asked anyone out like that's she's like no not on a real date I haven't <laughs> she's just so adorable she like she just gives such an innocent vibe you know like I love Piper so much and yeah. I'm I think <sighs> I think this could be the start of something good yeah honestly when we get to the end of the episode I have a lot to say about Piper and Leo and I'm really excited to talk about it but I'll leave that till the end when we get to that last scene between them. Gotcha, gotcha. So um, then from there, we go back to Buckland's where there's a crime photographer and they're all in Prue's office and Andy is interviewing Hannah and Rex is standing there next to her and Hannah's kind of saying that we heard a struggle, some type of fight. Then we heard the crash and we went to go check on Prue, but she just ran out of the room. They ask where she went, and they're kind of like, oh, we don't know. And Daryl's like, oh, well, the window will be prepared this afternoon after CSI leaves, whatever. And Rex, you know, playing up his good guy character is like, I don't care about the window. I only care about Prue. And then they leave, and Daryl goes over to Andy, who's standing by Prue's desk, and says, maybe you ought to ask the captain to assign someone else. And Andy says, Prue and I aren't dating anymore. There's no conflict, okay? I'm fine with this. And then leaves. And Daryl, like, totally doesn't believe him. He's just like, okay. But also, yeah. like, that, I don't think that's how that works. Like, I'm pretty sure just as much as you can't investigate your current girlfriend, you also can't investigate your ex. Yeah, if anything, you would think that might be a little bit worse. <laughs> like, that could that could definitely cause some problems. We're not dating anymore. There's no conflict. Obviously there is. Look at how pissed off you are. He's like the entirety of this episode, I've it's just like bad energy and like anger from Andy, you know? And like these first two scenes that he's in, we can already tell like he's just pissed off. And obviously, like, you have some sort of problems. And it's the fact that he didn't even know what had happened yet. But, like, all he knew was that it had to do with Prue. And he was immediately, like, in this bad mood. Like, it's obviously not about the case. You're upset about something else. It's obvious that, like, it's just the pain inside you. 
and it kind of does make me a little sad. Yeah, I think it's hard for me because as we've been talking all season, like I've loved Andy so much. I thought he was such a good guy, but kind of seeing the really negative ways he's acting in this episode, like I get he's acting out of hurt, right? But to me, it says something about his character that now that something bad has happened between him and Prue, he's so quick to kind of see her as the bad guy and kind of want to hurt her in a way, which I get where like those feelings can come from. But I do want to talk later in the episode about his potential to take advantage of the power he has here in his desire to kind of like hurt her for hurting him um so that's something I definitely want to bring up later in the episode right I agree I I already know (laughs) what you're talking about when you say that so we can talk definitely talk about it when uh the time comes so after that we cut to Rex and Hannah walking back into Rex's office and Rex is basically saying like oh I think that went really well And Hannah was like, well, yes, we proved that the legend of the locket was true and that Prue is, in fact, a charmed one. But now there's a 17th century warlock running around. Rex isn't very concerned. He wants him and Hannah to go find him. And then Hannah seems, like, really worried for no reason about this. And uh, (laughs) Rex says to her, stop worrying, Hannah. You're going to get wrinkles on your horn." and that was how that scene ended and it just gave me the grossest feeling in the whole world I hate their weird sexual energy like it grosses me out so much I will say I get where you're coming from but I felt like in this scene unlike in most of their others like the way they were physically interacting with each other felt more like how a normal couple like touches each other than in previous scenes they've had together So I felt less uncomfortable this time around, but there still is something about their dynamic that's just very, very off. Yeah, something, I mean, I but I guess that's the point because they are evil beings, just lustful, like, so I don't know. It's, but I don't know what it is that just makes me for always so, like, about them. Like, I don't like it. I just, I think I just hate Hannah. And I don't like, I don't like the way Rex has, like, total control over her. Like, it just really bothers me. Yeah, I agree. And that's something I want to talk about later when there's the scenes with the two of them and Matthew together. So that's something, like, I'll want to come back to. I feel like everything that's coming up in these early scenes, I'm just like, it's something I want to talk more about later. Because I feel like we have so much set up in the beginning that's really going somewhere. So I'm just, like, excited to get to the bigger scenes with more meat to kind of dissect. Right, right. Also, just to mention this, in case our listeners didn't get the idea, Rex and Hannah obviously plan to give Prue this locket to free Matthew and they are going to play a big part in this episode too yeah which also one thing that came up in this scene that I don't think we mentioned yet is you know Rex kind of mentions that Matthew has a one-track mind just like we do and it's making me wonder what their one track is because as we see here they have suspicions about Prue being one of the charmed ones but it wasn't confirmed until just now 
So I'm wondering what their overall mission is, how they got set up here, what their full background is. These are all details that I'm waiting to find out as I'm watching this episode. Yes, me too. So we go back to the manor and we're in the attic and Prue is filling in her sisters about what happened with Matthew. She tells them that he knows about them as the charmed ones and that they're related to Melinda Warren. She says that he's powerful and that he means business. He wants all three of their powers. Phoebe asks if she can see the locket because she's kind of trying to piece together everything. And when she opens it, she gets a vision of the first scene we saw, which was Melinda putting Matthew into the locket. And she tells them that um, she thinks that she just saw Melinda putting him into the locket. And Piper's kind of like, you only see the future. That's the past. And they realize that her power is growing. And Phoebe seems disappointed by this because she wants her power to grow to something more active, not just to be able to see more visions. She says, somehow I thought I was going to get to fly, which for anyone who's seen the full series is a funny kind of joke that yeah. may come back to something later. All the girls laugh and that's where this scene ends. Yes, so here I basically, I didn't really have anything to say. I mean, it just showed us that now everyone's kind of on the same page about where Matthew came from. Yeah, I'm noticing in episodes they have a tendency when one character doesn't know something and other characters have already figured it out, They'll just repeat the same exposition to get other characters filled in when they could just skip over that part and get to more important parts, which I think part of it is the style of TV back then. I think they did, in a lot of shows I've seen from this period, have repetitive scenes like that. But I don't know. I think because of the way we're used to watching TV now, it just feels a little off to see things like that happening. Because other than finding out that Phoebe can now see the past, we get nothing new in this scene. This is all information that we as the audience already had. Right. Yeah, it seems like they do that a lot to make it so that it it makes sense how everyone finds out what's going on in the show, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, because they needed a way for them to find out that Melinda Warren was the one who cast him into this locket to get that kind of ball rolling. So I guess I guess it makes sense. It works. But they did, you know, just repeat the exact same thing that was the first scene. So, yeah. So after this, we cut to some random guy in his office. And we see on the door of his office that his name, his last name is also Hallowell. And then Matthew kind of just breaks into his office and asks if his name is Arnold Halliwell. And he's like, yes. And Matthew pushes him against the wall using Prue's power. He tightens his tie to choke him. Matthew's asking him to tell him where the girls are because he is convinced that they're related because they have the same last name. And the guy says he's an only child. And Matthew just immediately kills him like snaps his neck and and he says lawyers have not changed because before the guy died he had said something about if you don't let me go I'm gonna sue you or something like that so that's the that's how that that was that scene but I don't 
I thought it was a little like dumb because it's not like there's no way you're finding all these Halliwells in unrelated Halliwells in San Francisco. You know what I mean? Like, come on now. I think it's a common last name. Like, I think like it's no a very way. like common like white type of last name. So it makes sense. I've never heard it before in my life. Doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I don't know that it actually is. I'm saying that's like the way they're portraying it, like to be like a Smith type last name that lots of people have. Like, I don't think it's an uncommon name, but it's obviously not a super common name either. But I think they're trying to portray it so that it is a super common name to make this add up. It also kind of reminds us of the time period where Matthew is from because back then you know there were so few families it was still the colonies that if you had the same last name you were very obviously related to other people with that last name it hadn't yet right so um then we go back to the attic and the book of shadows is standing on that little like pedestal or whatever it's called that they keep it on podium Phoebe is looking in the book and she confirms that it was Melinda in her vision and they kind of look at the drawing of her and say how beautiful she is. Prue says that she looks like their mom. Piper's reading what I'm assuming is a diary or some other book with information and she says that the legend says that he must never be freed or he will destroy the war in line. Prue says that they've never faced anyone like him because at first Phoebe's kind of like, oh, he's just a warlock. Like, we've faced other warlocks before, not a big deal. Piper suggests that they all hide, and Prue says, no, we have to find out what we're up against. We'll start with the locket and how it wound up on my desk, and then they all get up to start heading out of the room. Okay, so it's pretty much just exposition and, you know, getting the storyline in place as to what Matthew's up to, what he wants from them, and why he's so dangerous, because he can destroy their whole line if he gets all the three of these powers. Which does confuse me a little bit, because, well, I guess it hasn't happened yet, but we pretty much, we pretty much get the sense that, like, oh, if he gets all of the powers, like, it's going to be pretty impossible to stop him. And, like, the girls won't survive. But, obviously, in that flashback, he had all three of Melinda's powers, and she still managed to curse him. Well, I think what they're saying, okay, so Melinda had a daughter, right? So that's why, even though he was able to destroy her, he couldn't destroy the line. Prue Piper and Phoebe don't have kids. So if he takes their powers and is able to defeat them, the line will end because there's no one to pass on the magic. Oh, I see. That's true. That makes sense. Okay, because I was because that did confuse me a little bit. I was like, but that doesn't make sense because Melinda was able to herself. But I guess you're right. So once the girls leave the attic, they go downstairs to the living room where Leo is watching TV in their house for some reason. And he's just <laughs> sitting there watching the news. And he's like, I mean, obviously, clearly him and Piper are already in a five-year relationship. Like, he's just eating on their couch and watching TV. I know. Like, that is exactly, I I saw that and I was like, wait a minute, what the hell? Because I never realized how weird that actually was before. Like, you're the handyman. 
imagine coming downstairs to just seeing like your handyman who only is there to do the, like a job just sitting there eating out of your bowl like watching tv like, on your couch <laughs> that had me cracking up but they didn't even think twice about it so i guess this is a normal thing for them <laughs> anyways so leo's down there watching the news and he's like like oh Prue, look your work is on the news and we see the newscaster talking about the man that jumped out of the 12-story window and they see Andy walk past on the TV, and they're like, oh, Andy's on the news, too. And then the doorbell rings, and Phoebe's like, also, he's right outside. Phoebe goes to answer the door so that Prue can kind of avoid dealing with all of this right now. And he sees her and says that he needs to talk with Prue, and she's just kind of, like, trying to lead him away from doing that. She's like, oh, I'm so out of the loop. Like, I thought you guys broke up. And he was like, no, it's not about that. It's police business. And Phoebe just tries to say like, oh, she's not home, but I'll let you, let her know that you stopped by. And as she's trying to walk away, he grabs her and starts giving her attitude about how this isn't, you know, adding up, how a lawyer got killed and someone jumped from her office. And he's like, I'm going to ask you one more time, where's your sister? And Phoebe's just like, well, where's your warrant? And walked away. That really bugged me. I like, hated Andy in this scene, and I loved Phoebe in this scene. Me too. Me too. I hated that. The way he grabbed her arm and made her come back outside and then gave her all this attitude, like, Andy, take a step back. Like, I get that you're upset right now, but you've been through situations where the girls are involved before, but when you and Prue were together, it never seemed to cause a problem and make you angry that she was involved. Now that you're apart, it like, you have all this attitude and anger and you're like, you're going to take it out on her for no reason. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that was and gross also, to me. Yeah, no, it's very gross. And also the way like he, like this is exactly why he should have been taken off the case immediately, right? Like this is his ex, he's obviously going outside of what normal conventions of this would be. First of all, why is he showing up without his partner if he's there on official police business, right? So that's number one. Number two, why are you grabbing Phoebe? That's never appropriate for you to do. And three, like you're kind of acting like they're doing something wrong without actually knowing anything about the situation. And I think Phoebe was actually a little too nice in this scene because Andy deserved a lot worse than the attitude she gives him. Oh, I would have screamed in his face. Are you kidding me? That was another thing, too. Like, this also confuses me. If I was Andy, all you have to go on is Rex telling you, hey, I heard Rex and Hannah being like, hey, we heard noises. It sounded like Prue was being attacked. And then all of a sudden, this guy jumps out of the window. And now there's a lawyer that just got killed who has Prue's last name. So obviously, this guy is looking for a Halliwell, you know? So it, how are you, how is he angry at Prue here? Like, the way this situation reads, based on the information that he has, he should be looking at it like Prue's in danger. She's not a suspect. You know what I mean? And like, you're pissed off. 
I'm like that confused me so bad. Like it sounds like someone's trying to murder her. Yeah. Like based I on the knowledge like that you have. Through, and all three of you are in danger. And I think if he approached it that way, instead of being like, where's Prue? Like, I know she knows where he is. Like, she needs to give me this information, yada, yada, yada. If he instead was like, listen, like, he went after Prue. He went over after this other guy named Hallowell. Obviously, it has something to do with your family. Like, I'm worried that something bad is going to happen to you guys. Like, can you have Prue call me when you hear from her? Like, I want to make sure that you guys are okay, and I want to figure this out so nothing happens to any of you. I think that would be a much more appropriate and respectable way to handle the situation than the way he is acting. Yeah, I agree. Not to mention, he shouldn't have been on this case from the start. Like, it just now became a homicide. Like, <laughs> it did not start. And literally in the notes, and when you were reading that first scene where the police were there at the crime scene, I was like, Andy and Daryl there, are there, of course, <laughs> because someone jumping out of a window and walking away is typical, you know, inspector homicide business. So why wouldn't they be there? Yeah, you know, because when I think a homicide, I think no dead bodies. I'm just like, yep, the, we better call the homicide inspectors. There's no one dead here. They need to come. Yeah, this is that's like the first thing that goes to my mind. What else would they be here for? What else do they have to do? <laughs> Worry about other murders going on? Get out of here. Someone jumped out of a window and no one got hurt. Call them immediately. Like, what? <laughs> this, ugh. So stupid. But yeah, it really pissed me off in the scene. Not to mention what he's doing is, I'm pretty sure, like, totally illegal. Like, you're not supposed to do that. You're not following the code. You can't just show up to someone's house like that without your, like, without telling anyone where you're going or, you know, about the case and grabbing someone. Like, you cannot do that. Grabbing someone and making them talk to you, like, that's. Come on, Andy, you're embarrassing yourself. Like, you could no, get in, like, really, in real life, you could get in actual trouble for that. Yeah, and he's really overstepping his actual authority, which I think is something cops do in real life and part of the reason why I have the feelings I do about police. So I think that it's realistic, which is upsetting because they try so hard throughout what we've seen in the show already to portray like Andy and Daryl and cops in general as like the good guys right but here we see him overstepping his power multiple times throughout the episode and we don't see any consequences for it at least not in this episode which is bad because it's almost like the show is sending the message that what he's doing here is okay because without getting into spoiler territory like Andy is going to continue to be portrayed as a good guy throughout the show. So to have him overstep his power in this way, have no consequences for it, not have him really grow from it because nothing happened as a result of him acting this way other than when we get to the end of the episode, what Daryl kind of says to him. It just shows that he can do this and nothing bad is going to happen as a result unless he pushes the boundary that finally gets set on him at the end of the episode right right yeah the fact that there were no consequences for his behavior in this entire episode 
and he just kind of continues on in the show as like this good guy and his character just kind of goes back to being how it originally was does bother me a little because it's like well we can't just pretend that all of that didn't happen like i get it it was from a place of anger but still like it's never okay to use the power that you have to like mess with someone else's life you know what i mean it's not for no reason like there wasn't a reason for him to be acting i would get it if maybe it looked like she had been doing something wrong but it didn't like it genuinely looked like someone was trying to hurt her so this whole thing just really bugged me yeah and i think you know we'll talk a little bit more about this in prue and andy's scene later in the episode but i also want to come back to these ideas in the next episode because we'll see a very different type of behavior from andy when it comes to prue in the next episode um which we can obviously talk about when we get there yeah so then we go back into the house from this scene and Prue says, great, so now I'm being hunted by a warlock and the San Francisco PD. The girls are sitting on the couch and Prue's kind of pacing back and forth as this conversation is going on. Piper says that maybe Andy can help them and Prue says no, but that they do need help from somebody. And that's when Phoebe says, well, why don't we summon Melinda? I know how to do it. Let's have her help us. She's cursed Matthew before she can do it again. So then we cut upstairs to the attic and they're sitting around a cauldron and they have all this stuff ready and Piper's kind of second guessing it. She's like, what if Melinda comes back as a zombie? And Phoebe's like, she'll come back as a real life person, flesh and blood. She'll have her powers too, our powers, and that they have to like prick themselves um, because it's a summoning spell that uses a blood to blood component. And then Phoebe kind of says, it'll be like the summer by the lake. Remember, we made a blood oath to be friends forever, not just sisters. And Prue's like, and it worked, which I thought was really cute because we've seen so much tension between them all throughout, you know, these episodes we've seen already. So to have Prue admit that they are more than just sisters, they're also friends was really sweet in that moment. Piper is not down for this blood <laughs> stuff. <laughs> And eventually Phoebe's, she's like, okay, okay, just do it for me. So they all do it. They put their blood into the locket. They do the spell. And they say, you know, they're summoning her. They're like our great, 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 great. I didn't count how many greats they said, but it was a lot. <sighs> grandmother. Some smoke appears. And then Melinda arrives and kind of these little like crystally type effect is around her. Phoebe smiles when she sees her, so does Melinda, and she says, blessed be, and that's the end of that scene. I love the the whole blessed be thing. It's like a consistent thing in the, you know, throughout the whole show that their family always says to each other, and I think it's really adorable. So now Melinda's here. Can't wait to see how this goes. I know, and I love, we haven't met her yet, but... It's funny because, you know, they kind of say how she looks kind of like mom. And the actress who plays Melinda does actually look a lot like the actress who plays their mom. So I actually love that connection, which is funny because I don't know if they had already cast the actress who plays their mom yet. Because I don't think she's appeared in the show until later in the season. I don't think they have because 
Do you remember the episode with Victor? Yeah, because when they show the, the little scene of the mom, the, it's not the woman who plays her. It's the rest not of the, the show. same actress. Yeah. yeah, they show the video like at the end, uh, the home video, and it's a completely different actress than we see in the future. So, I I'm thinking they just haven't cast the mother yet. I almost just <laughs> <laughs> said her name and everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so after this, it kind of just cuts to. Melinda and Phoebe downstairs in Phoebe's room and Phoebe is like unzipping a dress for Melinda to wear because she's in these old-timey clothes and she's not blending in and Melinda sees her unzipping the dress and is like no don't rip the dress to make it fit me and she's like no no it's a zipper and Melinda's like oh a wise witch made this (laughs) and they kind of just start talking, Melinda saying how it's odd for her to be here again, and she just, there's like a lot of little things like, oh, how long did it take you to make this dress and stuff, like Melinda asking questions, not knowing, you know, how different things are in present time, and then Prue and Piper walk in and tell her that she looks great, because she does look really great in that dress, <laughs> and then Leah walks in too, just walks right in to the room and he says sorry I let myself in like I didn't think anyone you know would be in their own bedroom (laughs) hanging out maybe possibly getting dressed you know (laughs) yeah you know especially Phoebe's bedroom the one who doesn't have a job like why would she not be home I don't know (laughs) yeah I know it's not like everyone's car is in the driveway or anything (laughs) like my bad, I didn't think anyone would be in here. That's that's on me. So they introduce Melinda as their cousin to Leo. And they, t- you know, introduce Leo as the handyman. And Melinda's kind of like, to work with one's hands is a great gift. And then Leo says something back. I didn't quote it, but says something back in Shakespeare. And Melinda finishes the Shakespeare quote. And then they, the girls all walk out of the room and Melinda turns to Piper because I guess she saw, caught them maybe eyeing each other or something. And Melinda's like, he's a treasure, Piper. Piper's like, what, why are you telling me that? (laughs) And Melinda's like, well, you know. (laughs) So it's very obvious that there is something going on between Piper and Leo here. And I thought that was so adorable, the way she was like, Piper. (laughs) <laughs> honestly i feel like if i was someone's like great 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 grandma and i saw them like how piper and leo are i'd be the same way i'd be like oh piper like like i feel yeah, like that's how too. like moms and grandmas are you know what i mean so i loved incorporating that into this scene and there's something about like i don't know why but like when parents or grandparents or someone like sees a connection between two people or like you and someone else and is like like oh that's a good one like you know like it was like Melinda could obviously tell like oh that's a good guy Piper like I can see it and that just made me like feel happier either like getting her approval for some reason you know what I mean like I just thought it was adorable altogether yeah and I'll say I feel like that's something that your family members pick up on just from like little looks like someone I was seeing I remember like he was over at my house and we were sitting together we were talking to my mom and like later on when he left 
my mom was like, oh, like, the way he, like, looks at you and interacts with you, like, it's very obvious that he really likes you. And that was something, like, I hadn't realized at that point. So, like, I feel like hearing that from a family member is nice, too, because it kind of confirms it to you. Yeah. Like, when someone else notices it, especially, like, it's, it's like, you guys have obviously like a deep you know you're adults you're our parents you know more than us you can recognize more things than we can and so when they see like when they pick up on things like that like it gives you that kind of like confirmation and it makes you feel like so good inside so that's how this scene like made me feel watching it Mm -hmm. me too so then we go to a place called Hallowell Auto Body, and we see a man. Now, any English teacher will tell you this is a Christ symbol, okay? He's he's crucified on that wall in the cross position. And Matthew's standing there, and Rex and Hannah enter, and they say hello to him. And he's kind of like, who the fuck are you? But, you know, obviously this is a WB show, so he couldn't actually say that. Um, of course. And he's kind of like, who are you? How do you know me? And they're like, well, we are the ones who gave Prue the locket. I guess you could say we're partners. And Matthew's like, no, I work alone. And Rex is like, not in this century, you don't. You're new in town, new in time. You need our help. And they say that they can lead him to the Hallowells. And then he's kind of like, well, how did you guys find me? And Rex is kind of like, bitch, come on. Prue Hallowell? some lawyer named Hallowell, Hallowell Auto Body, like, you're being obvious. Yeah, you're leaving the trail, son. (laughs) Literally. And then Matthew kind of, like, agrees, I guess, because we see them all together again after this. So that's what happens there. Yes. So basically, Rex and Hannah, I feel like they're starting to progressively, like, show more and more of Rex and Hannah and kind of what they're up to like this scene they're involved a lot more than they have been in any of the other episodes so I feel like something you know whatever is happening with Rex and Hannah like something's gonna happen very soon and we also get that vibe later in the episode but I'll wait till that moment comes up but yeah so now they're all gonna be working together I guess because obviously Matthew decides to go with them Yeah, I'll also point out, because you mentioned it earlier, kind of the way Rex is the boss of Hannah is something we've been talking about. And I noticed in this scene, and I pay attention to it more, um, because I've heard podcasts I listen to talking about other shows from the same time period call this out. And now I think about it when it happens. When there are two men in a scene and one woman, and the men kind of just talk to each other and the woman is just there. That's something I take note of now. And I noticed in this scene, it's really just Rex and Matthew talking and Hannah just kind of existing at his side, which felt off to me. But yeah. yeah. I think she got in like a word in the beginning and then that was pretty much it for her in that scene. She was just there, literally existing by his side. Yeah, it's like, let us men make this plan and like Hannah just stand there and look pretty. (laughs) that that's pretty much the vibe that I've been getting from the start between Hannah and Rex and like I think that's just part of like all of it together just doesn't make me very comfortable like I don't I don't I don't think it's right you know but then again like I think we talked about last episode it could also kind of be them trying to portray like you know 
this is this happens between men and women or like this is the way sometimes the men have the control or like whatever this is an issue but look at these girls who take control and have power in their own lives versus this relationship you know what I mean yeah and it also makes me wonder if they're trying to portray like the demon world as being stuck in the old times right like the men are in charge and the women are just kind of there working under them but we see like with the Hallowells and like good magic like the women are in charge and the men kind of just exist in the background in their magical line so I wonder if they're kind of creating that juxtaposition on purpose right right that's yeah that's what I'm thinking too might be the case I mean I guess we don't know for sure but like it it, it just kind of comes across that way to me yeah and it's something to definitely Um, keep in mind as we see more like pairs and groups of evil creatures as the show goes on yeah okay so then we cut to the manor and the girls all four of them are kind of in the like dining room sitting at the table and Prue is putting the locket back on Melinda's neck while Melinda is telling them the story of how Matthew turned her in and how she trapped him in the locket and how she got burned at the stake because of him and the girls kind of question and are like well why didn't you use your powers and save yourself Melinda said that she had a daughter whose name was Prudence, and if she had used her powers, it would have proven Matthew's charge, and Prudence would have burned too. So she thought that she'd just accept it and pray that some kind soul would take pity on her daughter and raise her in a safe home. She was like, and it must have worked because here you guys are. And Phoebe gets really serious and is like, why do Warren witches lose their moms so early? And... Melinda's like, well, Phoebe, I can't change the past, but I think I can protect the future. And Prue kind of asks how, when he's so strong and has this wild power where he can just be in one place, then another in the blink of an eye. And Melinda says that the power she's talking about is called blinking and that he must have copied it from another witch. Which, I guess I can't really say anything about that now, but in future episodes, this is... This is one of those things that we'll talk about later that comes up in season one and then changes later in the show. Yeah, changes in the future. And I always notice that. So Melinda says that Matthew's power is to copy the powers of the good witch when it's used against him and that when he has copied the power, it no longer has effect on him. And she says, should he copy all three, he will be impossible to vanquish. So they need to curse him back into the locket. And that's pretty much the end of the scene. Yeah. So we so, see what I mean, they're planning to do. Yeah. And honestly, just a lot of the interaction with like Melinda and the girls in this scene, like I teared up when I was watching it. And honestly, even like, I don't know if you were looking at me, obviously not because you were reading your summary, but as you're reading it, I'm like starting to tear up again because I just think it's so cute. Like the way Phoebe and Melinda's connection is building in this episode And we've mentioned before, like, I think Phoebe has always wanted that maternal figure in her life. Like, she lost her mom very early. We don't know much about her relationship with Brams yet. We get some hints later in the episode that it was probably a little strange because Phoebe was a bit of a troublemaker and stuff like that. But I think having this, you know, mother figure for her and seeing how much Melinda loved her daughter and how, just like Phoebe, like, and Piper and Prue, 
Prudence, Melinda's daughter, lost her mom very young, too, and kind of that, that might be something that runs in their family line is really heartbreaking. So just kind of hearing that conversation, it's just like, to me, I'm like, oh, my heart, you know? It definitely made me feel like some type of way, which is like part of the reason I love this episode. And I love these scenes so much because it almost makes me feel like I'm being like hugged by my mom. You know what I mean? Like they, Phoebe, like we've mentioned before, is the only one who has like no recollection of their mom because we found out that, you know, their mom died when she was a baby. Piper and Prue were both very young, but they at least, you know, were old enough to vaguely remember her meanwhile Phoebe really never got that opportunity being the youngest and we've also seen in other episodes how much she craves that maternal figure so even from the start when they were up in the attic look like just finding out about you know the the curse and how Melinda had took him and put him into the locket and she like sees the picture and is like she's so beautiful she looks like mom and then now to see them interacting with each other and Phoebe like we see multiple times throughout this episode Phoebe kind of talking to her like wanting her to stay wanting her to be there and just being so happy with her presence you know having that maternal figure because I mean she is like a mom of theirs you know like this is their mom's 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 mom like kind of thing so this is like her only opportunity to have something like that again (laughs) and it was just really sweet yeah so then from there we go back to Buckland's and Matthew is getting dressed and Hannah's kind of in front of him like peeking but like not looking and she's obviously like very turned on by this like they're they really want us to know that which is like I mean he's just (laughs) changing but okay and then Matthew's kind of like if it pleases you to look look yeah (laughs) and Hannah's like super embarrassed and he's like confused he's like why the false modesty and he gets like really really close to her and Hannah's kind of like it's a very complex issue these days I mean there's political correctness sexual harassment don't get me started and then Matthew says what a strange time this is so open yet so closed and I have a lot to say about that but I'll just finish the scene before I get to it So then Rex comes into the room. He's, like, super jealous. And Hannah's like, oh, like, I was getting him dressed, whatever. And then Matthew's kind of like, yeah, she wanted me to try out a bunch of outfits, like, trying to fuck with Rex. And then Rex is like, playtime's over, big boy. You have a job to do. And that's where we end on that scene. So one thing I hate in this scene, like, why is... everything. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, everything, but also... Why is Hannah complaining about sexual harassment not being okay? Like, am I the only one who heard her say that? Like, she's like, yeah, sexual harassment is an issue. And that sucks because we should just be sexually harassing each other all the time. Like, Yeah, I know. She brought it. She was like, oh, don't even get me started on sexual harassment. But at the same time, it's like, why are you acting like you care about something like this? Like, you're a demon, you know? (laughs) You know? It's not like you and Rex ever hold back. It's not like you're plotting to murder or take these powers from these girls and like ruin their lives. But sexual harassment, yeah, let's let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like like what? 
Like, this feels like the type of line that should have came from, like, a 50-year-old pervy man, not a woman, right? Because, like, having her be like, oh, like, we have to be political correct. Like, we don't want to get accused of sexual harassment. Like, what? What are you saying, Hannah? Like, you (laughs) want there to be sexual harassment at the workplace? That's, like, your vibe? I know you like watching football players get hurt but I didn't know you like watching women (laughs) get like sexually harassed what the fuck I know oh my god I forgot that she said that (laughs) yeah that was definitely a really weird thing and for him to respond like just as creepily was like also uncomfortable to me like like oh so open yet so close what a different time sexual harassment is an issue like this is so weird yeah, and he's I kind of like, like that's whack. Like, and I feel like the thing he's talking about, right? Which I also hate. But when he says so open yet so close, like, is he talking about how women like dress more revealingly than they used to? But like, there, there's all these like false modesty ideas. I feel like that's what he's trying to imply, which I also hate. I hate anything that implies one that sexual harassment should exist so that um but also just the idea that like I really want to know if when he says like so open yet so closed like does that mean that you know because people are freer to dress or act in certain ways but they still have this modesty like I guess you could interpret that in different ways but the way I'm interpreting it is and based on the context of this scene is that He's saying that people can look more, like, I guess, scandalously, but act very conservatively, which I don't think that anything about the way you dress or kind of carry yourself or whatever should be any type of statement about whether you're, like, a sexual person or not a sexual person. So that just, I just don't like the scene and I just don't like what they're saying. And yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I don't think it's right the way that he makes it sound like, like, oh, now people can kind of do whatever they want, dress however they want, but it's a problem when someone acts on it, when someone gets harassed because of it. And it's like, well, that, you know, really, however you dress or however you act, doesn't mean like doesn't make that okay ever you know doing something like that and this scene like heavily implies that it is okay and it's I just hate it I hate it yeah and like I get it they're bad guys but like still the implications are not good here and I don't like this no weird vibes all right so after this we cut to the girls back at the manor and they're walking up to the attic and Melinda is like I can't believe I don't remember all of the ingredients to the curse and the girls are like well whatever you don't remember should you should be able to find in the book and Melinda sees the book and says oh my god the book of shadows it's gotten so thick and they're like oh it wasn't always thick like this and she says no but obviously each generation has added to it and made it so Um, And then she asks them if they've added anything yet. 
Phoebe's like us, like we're new at this. We can't just make up a spell or like, can we? Like, (laughs) (laughs) and Melinda's like, well, all things in good time, Phoebe, the book will grow as you grow. Sometimes you add to it and sometimes it teaches you. And then she finds the curse in the book and they start copying down like writing down what they need for it and Melinda's like fascinated by the fact that the pencil she's writing with doesn't need like to be dipped in ink to work and then while she's writing that Piper's like oh Grams must have added this one pointing at the spell next to it that they see it says to increase patience and they start talking about how Phoebe was a troublemaker growing up and she's like no, not a troublemaker, just a free spirit. And Melinda's like, just a warren. It's a family trait. So are the short tempers, the great cheekbones, the strong wills, and of course the powers. All blessings, all signs of where you came from. And then they they head out to go grab all the supplies they need for the curse. So this scene also makes me really happy. I don't know why. Like I always love watching this scene, always have. And I think this is like we get our first glimpse of where the Book of Shadows came from because we had really no idea like this. They just happened to have this book that had all these spells and everything in it. And now we find out that like their entire family line has been writing spells in as they've encountered these different demons and different situations. And that's why. Like, it's cool to think that the Book of Shadows really is connected to their family in such a direct way, because they're the ones that actually created it. And it just, like, it makes me happy to think of that. And to know that now the girls can write their own spells, which, I mean, we hadn't found out yet that that was really a thing for them. And the Melinda talking about all their family traits, just, I thought that was so adorable. She was like the great cheekbones. And I was like, damn, they really do all have like really nice cheekbones. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that. And honestly, like when I was watching that scene, I like wanted to ask you, I was like, what are our family traits? Like, like you look at the two of us, even in this like screen and you could see we have the exact same like bone structure. We have like similar top of the nose structure. Our eyebrow structure is exactly the same. Like, I know I do think about that because when I watched this episode too, and when she says that, I noticed that like you, me, Caitlin, like even Ash and I mean, probably Malia too I don't know she hasn't really grown into her face fully yet but you know we like we all do have similar features like I know we don't all really look alike completely but we all do have like kind of like the cheekbones too the like chubbier cheeks like you know what I mean the like the same face structure and it's like wow I guess that is just like a family thing like kind of like that you know (laughs) I love it yeah And it's one of those things, because I look at pictures of me and Ash, because, like, no one sees me and Ash and assumes we're sisters. Like, people see you and me and assume we're sisters. People see, like, me and Amanda, even, like, our cousin, and assume that we're sisters, because we look more alike than, like, me and Ashley do. But I notice when I look at pictures of me and Ashley, the way we smile is exactly the same. Like, there are things in our face that, even though we don't directly look alike, are the same as each other. Yeah. There was, like, even the other day, because people see me and Caitlin and don't 
think that we're sisters, you know, like, because Caitlin and I don't look alike. But I see pictures of us when we were younger, and I think we had, like, very similar looks then. And sometimes when I wear, like, my hair a certain way, because Caitlin always wears, like, Caitlin always wears her hair in these, like, braids back. And I did that the other day at work for the first time. And three different coworkers were like, oh, my God, you look so much like Caitlin today, you know? Like, there are those things that, like, you can kind of tell when they're siblings. You and Caitlin look the most alike out of anyone in our family. Yeah. <laughs> like, no doubt. <laughs> Except for, of course, Josh and Ash. They're practically Of course. <laughs> of course. Ash, for, I mean, none of you guys know what Ash looks like, but she's completely different than us. Like, we're all brunettes, like, with brown eyes, and Ashley is blonde with, like, thick, curlier, not curly, but, like, thicker, wavier hair, and blue eyes. Like, (laughs) nobody knows where she came from. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny because, like, if you, I mean, obviously, you know what my mom looks like. Ashley looks exactly like my mom, but with light features. Like, she has my mom's exact face, like, everything like that, whereas I look more like dad, which is why I look more like you and Caitlin. Yeah, I see so much of dad in your face and in Caitlin's. Mm -hmm. Like, even, and in Malia's. Like, all three of you, I see a lot of dad. I'm also like Ash, where, like, I got a lot of my mom's features, but all of us I kind think of you're kind of the similar. perfect combination of like dad and your mom like you look yeah. so much like a mix of them I'm like I was like literally the like middle mix <laughs> between the <laughs> both of them like that's just how I came out as opposed to like one side versus the other but when I was younger I looked a lot more like mom than than I do now I, I think yeah but anyways this isn't about us <laughs> <laughs> Back to the charm ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just reminded us of our family, like, history. So then we are at Buckland's, and they're sitting at a desk, and Rex pulls out these files, and he's showing Matthew, like, pictures of the sisters and giving them information about them. He gives Matthew the address of Quake, says that Piper works there, and that he should go steal her power next, and that Hannah should go will drive him there. So then we're back at the manor, we're in the kitchen, and the girls are all in there, they're gathering ingredients for the curse. Phoebe's like, we've never done a curse before, and Melinda's like, well, that's good, because they shouldn't be taken lightly. Then they kind of start talking about Phoebe's power, she's complaining it about it the way we've seen her do in previous episodes. She's like, I see pictures, what's to save her? And Melinda's like, you see visions of the future and the past. That will allow you to protect and to heal. And while this is going on, Prue is looking out the window, and they kind of call her out as looking for Andy. And Prue says, he'll be back, probably with a warrant. And Phoebe's like, yeah, like Andy would ever arrest you. Hmm, Phoebe. So then (laughs) Piper says that she needs to go to the restaurant to get some herbs that they're missing. And then they kind of say that the feather might be a problem. And Melinda's kind of like, well, why? And they mention how some animals from her time aren't really around anymore. But Prue's like, you know what? I'll take care of it. And Piper and Phoebe decide that they'll go to Quake together. And Melinda's like, no, you can't leave the house. Like, you're the two that Matthew needs to get the powers from. 
Piper like dismisses this. She's like, we'll be safe. How would Matthew even know about Quake? He's got no reason to know. (laughs) Good question, Piper. It was a solid thought. But, uh, obviously that's not the case. Because Rex and Hannah, I didn't have... I think that's just plot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, except for, except for, you know, uh, I don't know if you mentioned this. I, I didn't hear about when they're talking about the feather Prue brings up that, or one of them says that it might be yeah, at a yeah, zoo. And, oh, okay. oh, you did say yeah. that? Okay, okay. I didn't say I the didn't... zoo. I forgot about that part. But yeah, yeah that comes up later. I just so figured it might be at the yeah, zoo. So. Yeah. She, she mentions the zoo. Melinda doesn't know what a zoo is. And they kind of tell her what a zoo is. That just comes up yeah. later. So I figured I'd throw it in there. <laughs> Good catch. Because I totally skipped over that. <laughs> <laughs> so after this, we cut to Hannah and Matthew sitting outside of Quake waiting for Piper to show up. And he just is kind of talking about how he wants revenge on Melinda and yada yada. And then we go into Quake and Piper and Phoebe show up and Piper is basically like, okay, you go in the kitchen and grab what we need. I'm going to go to my boss Martin and cough on him and pretend like I'm sick and I need to go home because she was supposed to be working that night. Something you could Uh, say in a pre-COVID world, I'm going to cough on someone. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Could not get away with that now. I'm gonna go gonna go cough on him. <laughs> Phoebe starts walking to the kitchen and this waitress stops Piper and is like, Did that guy find you that was looking for you? That guy with an English accent and Piper is very confused. And then it cuts directly to the kitchen where Phoebe is kind of backing away from Matthew who's already trying to attack her. And he grabs her, and it kind of, like, forces out this premonition that they both see. And in the premonition, it's Matthew choking Melinda in present time. Like, not 17th century. And he just copied her power, because obviously that was kind of used on him. So now he has Phoebe's power, too. And he smiles and he says, now I have your power and I see Melinda's here. She will die at my hand. And he blinks away as Piper comes in to the kitchen to grab Phoebe and make sure she's okay. And then that's when Phoebe tells Piper that he copied her power and they get up and scene cuts out. Yeah, so one thing you didn't mention, Matthew just violently pushes Phoebe on the floor for no reason. Like, what the fuck, Matthew? (laughs) Threw her to the ground. One of the things that does confuse me about this, though, is, like, he had gotten Prue's power in the beginning. He got Phoebe's power now. We know that once he has the power, it's useless on him. Why didn't he just kill them? Good question. Really good question. Because it makes me wonder, like, is his plan to kill them? Because he says it is, but then he also just seems like all he cares about is taking their powers. Yeah. So So I don't know exactly what his motive is. Yeah, me too. I mean, we find out, like, after this, in, I think, maybe the next or one of the next scenes, that kind of... Then it kind of starts to add up, but 
I'll just say it when we get to it. You, you can go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else you wanted to say about this scene? No. Okay. Not really. Oh, also, um, I think the only thing I want to mention is when the, because I've never thought about this before. It only occurred to me in this watch. When that waitress kind of comes up to Piper and tells her that an English guy called for her, like, it never occurred to me, but obviously it was Rex that called to ask if she was working, right? Because Matthew's not English. Oh! Oh my god! I was so confused because every time I see this, I'm like, Matthew must just have a really subtle English accent that, like, I'm not really picking up on. Because I didn't even think of that. That makes so much more sense. Right, because Matthew, like Melinda, wouldn't know how to use a phone. So obviously it would be Rex that called, but it just never occurred to me before this watch. Never in my life have I realized that. I've seen this episode countless times at this point. Jesus Christ. Wow. Good catch there. Wow. I can't believe. That just, like, baffled me. Like, I feel like been lied to my whole life like yeah like I feel like it's so obvious but I just always missed it yeah I always missed it too I never never picked up on that but uh yeah so then we go to the manor and we're outside and we see Andy is sitting in his car kind of a few houses down watching in his like side mirror then we go inside where we see Prue and Melinda walking down the stairs together and Prue mentions that there's a stuffed spotted owl at the museum where she used to work and that she can go get it. And that's when Prue leaves and she gets in her car and starts driving away and we see Andy's car follow her. We then go into the kitchen where Melinda is kind of looking around at things. She goes up to their food processor and she presses a button and it like turns on and starts doing the thing. And she jumps back and then she turns it off then the phone starts ringing and she kind of obviously doesn't know how to use the phone and phoebe comes over on the voicemail and melinda's like trying to respond to her but it's a voicemail so obviously phoebe can't hear her melinda presses a button and the line goes dead so phoebe and piper are at quake and they run out because the line went dead and now they're really concerned then the door to the manor opens and it's matthew standing there and Melinda says, the sight of you still makes me ill. Queen. <laughs> Queen shit. So then they kind of sass it. each other back and forth a little bit. And Matthew eventually says, you're nothing more than a dead witch watching over stupid girls that are about to die themselves. He says he has two of their powers and he starts choking Melinda. That's when he gets a premonition of them making the curse. And Melinda says to go ahead and kill her because they already have the curse. And that's when he said, Prue, the one who's going to get the feather, where is she? And like you pointed out before, Melinda says she's at the zoo to throw him on the wrong trail. And that's when Matthew says that he'll kill her and co then come back for the other two. He says that way you can watch them die and I can watch you suffer. Then he like kisses her which in any other context would be a very romantic kiss, but she, like, has, like, this single tear come down, and obviously because of, you know, the imbalance of power and everything, it's very, like, disgusting, but, like, the actors have chemistry. That's all I'll say about that. 
Is that and is then, it weird that I thought that scene was like really hot? Like Honestly, the way all that I, happened. I felt similar, and I'm very concerned about myself because this is the most toxic <laughs> dynamic to ever happen. I'm like, I'm like, why did I like this kiss? I know it was like the the toxicity, like the attraction of it, and I was like, oh my god, that was kind of sexy. Like, <laughs> can't even lie right now. But yeah, then he says, then you'll be next, and he blinks out. Yes. So that's what I was talking about before when I was like, he now it kind of makes sense as to why he hasn't killed them yet, because he's like, oh, I want to kill them in front of you and make you suffer and then kill you. So now it makes sense, but up until now, he didn't even know Melinda was back. So it didn't add up before. Yeah, because then it makes sense why he didn't kill Phoebe in the first, in like his previous scene with her, but why didn't he kill Prue in the first scene if he was always planning to kill them? Exactly. So I don't know, but whatever. Maybe just Rex startling him or something kind of threw him off. So then we cut to Buckland's and Hannah walks into Rex's office and immediately Rex is like, you lost him, talking about Matthew. And Hannah's like, we've had this conversation, Rex, please stay out of my mind. So I guess Rex can read minds or something. And then he asks if he copied Piper's power and Hannah's like, I have no idea. Rex is like, well, why didn't you follow him? And Hannah says, I tried. Why don't you just follow him right now? And Rex is like, I can't yet. I haven't mastered that power. Which maybe is something that might come up in the future. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Guess we'll see. But then they start talking about how they need to find Matthew because they need the sister's powers. And they're both kind of like really stressed out here like they're gonna get in trouble if they don't get these powers and he tells hannah to go find him and then do you want me to continue did you i don't the only thing i wanted to say about this scene is i actually liked the way that hannah is kind of standing up for herself and calling rex out for also not being good at what they're doing here i think it's one of the few times we've seen her kind of take more of a leadership role in whatever it is they're doing so i liked seeing that for her um but that's really all i have to say about that yeah as much as i hate hannah the whole him having complete power really didn't enjoy that so seeing her say something here definitely felt like a little more comfortable to me like it felt more of a like yeah they're still evil but at least now it's like kind of like a mutual a mutual thing like in that moment it felt like it any other time it's just felt like he's been the one in, with complete power and it I don't like it yeah it felt more like a partnership and less like a I'm the boss and you're my lowly employee type of vibe yeah exactly so then we're at the manor and Piper and Phoebe enter and they're kind of run over to Melinda because they see the doors open and they're worried and they're like, are you okay? She's kind of like, we need to get to work on the curse. Like Prue's taking care of the feather and both Piper and Phoebe are kind of like, how? Which then cuts us to the museum at night where Prue is sneaking out of the building with the feather. Andy walks up to her and she's kind of like, Andy, what are you doing here? And he's like, 
you're gonna have to come with me, Prue. And that's where we end that little scene we're in. Yeah. So it's coming up. It's coming up the whole Andy and Prue thing that, you know, <laughs> we'll definitely have some stuff to say about. So then we go back to Buckland's and Hannah is like being thrown across the room to like the ground in front of Rex's desk. And she gets up and is like, found Matthew. Because <laughs> obviously Matthew was the one who did that. And Matthew comes in and is like, I need to find Prue and stop her. I saw them working on the curse. They brought Melinda Warren back from the dead to kill me. And Rex kind of is like, no, I'm not going to help you find her. You need to stay on track and get the powers because that's pretty much all Rex cares about. And then he's like, well, the, but the curse will end me. And Rex says that they'll have to cast the spell at their home, which means Prue will have to return to do it. So he can go after her then while also gaining Piper's power to freeze. And then Matthew's like, they'd rather die than give me that. And Rex pulls out a gun from his drawer that he just keeps in the office. Um, <laughs> no lock or anything. And gives it to Matthew and is like, try again. Like, with the little, little weird to me that he just had that there. Also, yeah. like, go ahead. Yeah, because I'm wondering then, what are Rex and Hannah's powers? Like, do they not have active powers? Why would they need a gun? Yeah. Like, are like, there... see that. Like, are their powers more, like, psychic-type powers, like Phoebe's are? Because I know the mind control came up, so maybe they do need defensive weapons? But now that makes me curious about kind of what they can do versus can't do. Yeah, I've gotten, I mean, now in this episode, we're getting the sense from Rex that his powers are more like mind powers, which is also a little weird for, I feel like, a demon, because it kind of seems like Rex's powers are more like a witch's power, you know? Like, not as... I, I don't know, I guess maybe not, but whatever. So I'm getting that sense from him. And obviously they, they've waited so long and they're trying to come up with this perfect plan to make everything happen. So they must not be like super high level, like strong demons. But I know Hannah, we, we saw in that one episode that she like blew fire, blew heat and right. lit his cigarette or something. So we know she has that power, but I don't really know. I, I don't really understand Rex and Hannah, like, their whole part and everything. Yeah. I feel like it's not something that we ever really find out either. Yeah, we can talk more about this later, like, when we see more of them, yeah. but, yeah. So then from there, we cut into Andy's car, and Prue and Andy are inside, and he's, like, flipping out on her. He's like, for the last time, Prue, why the feather? And she says she already had it, and then he's kind of like, well, you obstructed justice, you did all these things, and she's like, how the fuck did I do that? And he's like, you're in a lot of trouble here. Trouble I can't help you out of unless you help me. And this just reminded me of in, like, cop interview scenes when they're, like, trying to trick a suspect into saying something, so they start being like, oh, well, like, I can help you, but you have to help yourself, like, Fuck you, Andy. I know what you're doing. I know your mind games, and I don't like it. Mm -hmm. So then 
Prue also knows because she's like, maybe I should talk to a lawyer. And he's like, want me to arrest you? And he's like, not letting her go. And he's like, I can't look the other way anymore, Prue. And then Prue's kind of like, look, it's not just me. It's Piper and Phoebe too. And this is when, you know, he kind of is like, asking her to trust him and just like tell him what's going on but like when you're acting like a literal psycho why would she trust you Andy so then she blows up his airbag and she gets out of the car and leaves which like good for you Prue that's what you should do yeah superpower move and I think right here we see too like like he finally kind of explodes and like blurts that out and is like like damn it why can't you just trust me for once kind of thing and it's like like, finally, you said it. Like, that's obviously what you've been angry about from the beginning of this episode. Even though you're trying to act like you're really focused on the case, you're letting those feelings affect you. And that's why you're acting the way you're acting. And you just proved that, you know? But, yeah, I didn't like the type of... <sighs> How he was trying to use his authority in this scene was just, like, disgusting to me. Yeah, because he's like, if you don't tell me what I want to know, like, I'll just arrest you. Like, what? Yeah, for what? What are you going to arrest her for? What law did she break? She stole a feather from a museum? I know. Like, okay, yeah. guess what? She's going to be let out on, like, $200 bail in an hour for that. That's not a fucking real crime. No, not at all. And I was... I was going to say that it... We know Roger's bitch-ass would press charges, but, like, Obviously, still. of course. But we didn't think Andy would be the same way. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's not, it's not a real crime. Like, if Andy were the one to, like, arrest someone for that and present that information, like, I feel like anyone in a court or in, in, in like, the legal system would be, like, like, what the fuck is this, you know? Yeah, you but, arrested your ex for stealing a feather? Yeah, like, this is, that's gonna, like, like, that could screw you over more in the end and make people think, like, because you're not supposed to have, like, let personal things affect your job like that. And if you do, like, that's actually, especially in a, a career like you have, like, that's a really big problem. Yeah. If you're letting personal issues get in the way. And, like, that's another, like, this scene. So they say, you know, kind of, like, you shouldn't judge someone's character based on how they treat you when, like, you're together. You should judge it based on how they treat you after you end a relationship with them. And I feel like this is revealing so much about, like, how Andy acts when he feels, like, betrayed or hurt which is also part of your personality. And like, he clearly has a very bad part to his personality and a dangerous part to his personality with the way he's acting in this episode that I feel like the show doesn't do enough to comment on. Yeah, it pretty much, that's what I'm saying. Like he acts the way that he did and in the future episodes that he's in, it just kind of goes back to normal, I feel like, or it's not as like, he doesn't really ever get punished except except for kind of the scene in the future like later in this episode with Daryl but we'll get to that but it's it's pretty much like he gets let off the hook for the way he's acting and it doesn't 
it's not really fair. It doesn't make any sense to me. And we never really get like any uh like closure, I guess, kind of thing from it. Yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of weird to me. Mm-hmm. So then we cut to the manor and Melinda, Piper, and Phoebe are all in the kitchen finishing the potion. And the only thing they're missing is that feather. And Piper is kind of like, like, what the hell is taking Pre so long? Like, maybe she got hurt. And Phoebe's like, no, no, like, you know, Matthew already got her power. He's not going to go after her again. Why would he? And Melinda's like, when she returns, we'll grab the feather and go look for Matthew. And Phoebe's like, well, do you think he's going to be hard to find? And that's when Matthew walks into the doorway and is like, not at all. (laughs) And then he says, I've waited so long for this moment to hide now. And Melinda kind of is trying to protect the girls and is like, this is our battle. Matthew, leave them alone. And he says, I'll have what I came for. And then he uses Prue's power to move Piper over to him. And he kind of holds her there and tries to get her to freeze him, but she won't do it. So he holds the gun up to her and everyone's like, oh my God, (laughs) a gun. Like... (laughs) Uh, everyone's just kind of scared in this moment and Matthew's like save yourself no then save your sister and he points the gun at Phoebe and then Prue walks in and is like save yourself (laughs) and Matthew like immediately lets Piper go and like completely just focuses on Prue now because all he cares about at this point is making sure that he doesn't get cursed back into the locket and he's like give me that feather and she moves the gun out of his hand and moves this since she can't move him she moves a chair and kind of throws it at him to knock him to the ground long enough for them to put the feather in the potion and start saying the spell um and as he's getting up they're like now you can freeze him and piper freezes him and melinda says the spell to curse him back into the locket and then he starts vanishing back into the locket and he says this is not the end and uh once he's finally in and everything and he's gone melissa melinda's like yes it is this is for eternity and the girls all kind of just smile at each other yeah so matthew's gone which honestly is a little bit unfortunate because i kind of really love matthew like (laughs) yeah like he's hot he's like interesting I wish he was, like, a longer-term bad guy. Like, honestly, if he was a multi-episode villain, I would have liked seeing him around more than I like seeing Rex and Hannah in multiple episodes. Yeah, me too. But we do have our our future consistent, you know, bad guy that comes in the show, and I'm not disappointed. (laughs) I love him so much. I can't wait to get to his episodes. I really can't. Uh, we have a few recurring bad guys that I really like, and I'm excited for them to start to come up. So yeah. some of them only get a few episodes, but still, I like when bad guys I like appear more than once. Yeah, no, me too. And there's like, there's one that's like literally beginning to end. Like, I feel like he appears like once every season or every couple of seasons. And every time I'm like, hey, <laughs> my boy is back. Like, <laughs> I love it so much. You know who I'm talking about, right? Oh, of course I do, because he's one of my okay. favorites, too. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, 
moving on. So yeah, that's the end of Matthew. We've wrapped up that plot line. And yeah, I like the way one thing I'll point out in the scene is the way people kind of know to if the girls won't stand up for themselves, they'll always kind of protect each other. So I like the way that villains tend to use that against them. And we'll see that happen more and more in different episodes over the series. So I like that concept. But other than that, you know, that was just killing off Matthew and moving us to the rest of the episode. Yeah, I agree. So then we're back at Buckland's and Rex and Hannah are saying how he failed. And now they're worried about being in trouble with him we don't know who this him is um but obviously it's their bigger boss hannah's kind of like well we found out they're the charmed ones like that should buy us some more time and rex agrees but says that it'll be precious little time that it'll buy them and then hannah's like you should have listened to me rex we should have taken care of them ourselves and then he kind of like grabs her hair and it's like very violent and like I don't know if it was supposed to be like sexy violent or just regular violent. I couldn't tell. Me neither. And like that's how they cut out the scene too. Like there was no it's not like he like added to it. He just she was like, You should have listened to me. And he was like just full on grabbed her. And I was like, Yeah. Oh. I don't know well, if it was like, supposed to be sexy. I didn't think it was. I didn't either. <laughs> I thought it was really gross, but um but a lot That's of things they do together are supposed to be sexy and are gross, so I wasn't sure how we were supposed to Yeah, it. It's just more of their weird dynamic that I will never understand. So after this, we cut to the police station, and Andy is, like, having a fucking mental breakdown. Like, he's so angry, just all over the place, mad hectic, and he's, like, really pissed off, and he's there with Daryl and Daryl's like you want to get an arrest warrant now like it was like the middle of the night or something like that at this point and Daryl's kind of trying to like calm him down and talk him out of this and he's like based on what stealing of a feather any judge will bust your rank and Daryl tells him like to just kind of let it all go unless you want to tell the judge exactly how the lady even got away from you by the way how did she get away from you and Andy's just like, I don't want to talk about it. And Daryl says, take my advice and let it go. Don't embarrass yourself. And Andy's just kind of standing there angrily. <laughs> yeah, so obviously I hate Andy in this scene. He sucks. He's terrible. He's so angry. He's so ridiculous. Like, it's obvious his ego is so bruised by the fact that Prue got away. And he's just not seeing rationally. I like most of what Daryl is saying, but I never noticed this in previous watches, but like Daryl has a tendency to just like make these little like offensive comments. Like we saw it in Dream Sorcerer when he made the ableist comment about um, Mr. Berman, like not being able to commit the crime because he's in a wheelchair. We saw in um, The Wedding from Hell when he's kind of like, oh, the 120-pound blushing bride couldn't have thrown someone over a banister or whatever. And now he, we see him refer to Prue as that the little lady. lady. I know. I was like, who? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Like Immediately, what? no. <laughs> Don't like it. 
Yeah, it's true. It is It is a little weird because Daryl does always kind of throw in these little shots that are like, okay, well, now you sound a little bit of like... Yeah, like, are you like sexist? Can, yeah, like, we can see where your mindset is at Daryl, and it's a little... But I still love him. I love him anyways. <laughs> I want to like Daryl. Like... I want to. And I feel like some of your feelings of loving Daryl are coming from later episodes because I think I'll get there. But what we're seeing of him so far, I don't love him. And I really want to like him. So I'm like, I'm waiting to get there. You're right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I guess based on looking at this as a first watch, I don't, I'm not liking Daryl so far. But yeah, I, I think it's just because of what I know of Daryl in the future. <laughs> but we're not there yet, so. Yeah. So then our next scene, we're at the manor in the morning. Piper is on the stairs and Leo comes in and she asks him what he's doing there. Um, and he's like, oh, I was going to come to do the plumbing, whatever. And she's like, well, can you come back tomorrow? Like, we have a lot of going on. Our cousin's leaving, whatever. And he's like, yeah, sure. And then she kind of stops him and she's like, would you like to go out sometime with me, that is? And he's like, I'd love to. Give me a call. And then he leaves. And I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. Like, I, I have boarded this train and I am ready to see where they're going. Oh, my God. I cannot wait. I, I loved that. I thought it was so adorable. I was like, Piper really went for it. Like, you fucking go, girl. Jesus Christ. I love it. Yeah, and also, this is kind of making me think back, because in earlier episodes, we were lo seeing a lot of the final scenes kind of being, like, Andy and Prue being the end of the episode, and now this is the second episode of a in a row where we're getting a Piper and Leo scene right towards the end, so I'm like, ooh, are they the new it couple of the show? I hope so. Me too. I can't wait to see where this goes with them. I, I think so far, like, the way it started, just the little awkward, like, from strangers to kind of friend to, you know, this like tension between them where Piper obviously really likes him and wants to get his attention. And she finally had the courage to ask him out. Like, and I think Leo is so adorable. Like he's so cute because he gives me just the same kind of innocent vibe that Piper does for some reason. Yeah. Like just a very like mellow, like nice guy is how he like comes across to me in these scenes and I just like I'm like oh my god him and Piper just look like they'd fit so well you know yeah so I hope this goes somewhere somewhere good yeah me too so then we're up in the attic and Piper enters and she tells them it was Leo but that he left the other girls are sitting in a circle and she joins them and Phoebe's kind of like to Melinda why can't you stay here and live the life you should have had and Melinda says, because this isn't my time, it's your time, and Prue's and Piper's. And Piper says, we don't mind sharing. And Melinda says, I've seen the charmed ones, good witches, women of strength and grace. She touches Phoebe and gets a premonition. She says that she saw the future of many more generations and that that makes her life feel complete basically and she's ready to go back where she's obviously going to be killed in her past <laughs> and she puts on the locket and they all hold hands and she gets sent back she tells them that she loves them and 
says, blessed be again, and she leaves. And Phoebe says, I'm going to miss her. Piper says, me too. And Prue says, we can always bring her back. And they all kind of have these sad smiles. And that's how the episode ends. Quite the ending. Super, like, emotional. The way I know as soon as Piper was like, we don't mind sharing, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I know how bad they want. Because it, Phoebe kind of was the main focus, like, with this. Or she was the one who kind of acted the most, like, oh, I really, like, like, I love you, like, that maternal figure, like, she loved having that, but it's clear that all of them really did enjoy that, and enjoy Melinda's company, and having her there, and none of them wanted her to leave, they were all sad to see her go, and it's clear that all of them, like, kind of did see her as that maternal figure, and, like, you could see that it felt them that, like, emotionalness for her to kind of basically say that, like, you guys made me, made me feel complete, like, I'm so proud of you guys, you know, And that's something like it's not like they've ever really been able to hear that from their own mother. So that had to be like a really emotional moment for all three of the girls, you know? Yeah. And it also makes me wonder because like we know that before Graham's passed away, like she was in the hospital for a while. And I wonder if they had like that kind of goodbye moment with Graham's if all of them were able to because they obviously never got that with their mom because she passed suddenly when they were young. And as we found out, in the episode with Victor, like, magic was somehow involved in that, and it really makes me wonder, like, when Grams was in the hospital, like, was she awake? Were they able to talk to her? Um, Did they get to say goodbye to her, like, actually, or was it more of just, like, maybe she was in a coma or something, and they eventually had to take her off life support and weren't actually able to have a goodbye conversation? We don't know. So I'm definitely wondering about that because I feel like this moment of being able to say goodbye, Melinda, like just read so beautifully and just like was really touching. So it makes me wonder if they've had that goodbye scene in other relationships that were important to them. Yeah, because you almost like this scene almost gives the vibe of like, not only is this our goodbye to Melinda, but this is our goodbye that we never got to give to you know our mother or maybe even Grams, but we don't really know about how that happened so like it, it did kind of feel like this was like like a pretty big moment for them you know mm-hmm. so I don't know I thought it read beautifully as well like it was just it was just a really perfect ending scene perfect goodbye you know I ugh, I love it so much I love this episode Yeah, and thinking of this as the final moment in a mid-season finale is really touching, too. You know, we kind of get these setups for future plots where we get the Hannah and Rex scene of them kind of being like, oh, we're going to have to do something big next. And then getting that little, like, hopeful scene with Piper and Leo, and then we get this really touching scene to close out the episode, which I really liked having. Yeah, me too. Anything else? Um, I think I'm good. Anything you wanted to add? No, I think we pretty much got it all. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want to reach out to us or follow us on social media, we're on Instagram and TikTok at rewitched underscore pod. You can also send us an email to rewitched.pod at gmail.com. And join us back next time for season one, episode 10, Wicca Envy.